0: All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. And I'm Clayton. And I'm the romance novel veteran.
1: And I'm the Virgin.
0: And we're your hosts.
1: Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas, guys. It's Christmas Eve. I know.
1: How crazy is that?
0: (laughs) We're recording two weeks before Christmas Eve, but I feel it. The magic is still there. I can
1: feel it. It's like I'm there.
0: Do you have any like Christmas Eve traditions?
1: I don't now. No, I, you I, got rid of the tradition. Yes. Uh, no, it's just when I was a kid, we used to go to both of my grandparents' houses. They lived pretty close to each other uh, outside Pittsburgh. So we would drive to the one, and then drive to the other one, and then drive home, and then go to bed, and then wake up the next morning and get presents. So Christmas Eve was really the big celebration time for mm-hmm. my family. Yeah. Uh, Christmas Day was more, yes, presents, and then the rest of the day you just kind of hung out and then when we got a little bit older we would just go hang out with our friends and stuff yeah what about you what's the big is it christmas eve or christmas day
0: growing up so my mom is a nurse and so she would either have to work christmas eve or christmas day so like when we celebrated would change based on when she had to work but now that i've married into an italian family they do the feast of the seven fishes the night before which is always just a truly insane amount of food an insane amount of fish. <laughs> so we go to my sister in law's house. Uh, we help make the food and then it's we all eat together and then do Christmas, um, like do all the presents. Um, right now I only have a niece as far as like kids that'll be there, but that's always like really fun watching her open all the presents. And of course, like the only grandchild, the only like niece, like so many presents. It's oh, insane. Yeah. Yeah. She's very spoiled. <laughs> but she's a sweet girl i love her so much um and then we go to my parents house and then it's just like me pat and my parents maybe my brother Uh uh-huh and it's like pretty subdued we do presents and then just kind of lay around all day
1: so the feast of the seven fishes yeah do you have to bring a fish
0: we make a fish
1: you you make a fish i mean you cook a fish yeah you don't magically make a fish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's we the magic a fish. of Christmas. <laughs>
1: this is You should have said that first. I magically create fish.
0: <laughs> yeah, just a mackerel. <laughs> yeah.
1: So what kind of, how do you make the fish? Uh, how so do you my, prepare the fish? Well, my
0: brother-in-law is obsessed with getting a seafood salad from a restaurant. Like he refuses to let us try to make that. Um, because it, what would happen a lot was like they would buy, all, we wouldn't make any food and they would buy all the food. And it was just like, an ins- it would be, like, enough food to feed, like, 60 people, and there would be maybe, like, 15 of us. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is insane. So now we've switched to, like, us all making food. So, like, I make mussels, salmon, shrimp. Um.
1: So there's so many fish, but also other seafood.
0: Well, fish is, like, a loose term. So fish can be any kind of seafood. Okay. So, like, shrimp counts as fish.
1: Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. But there just has to be seven different kinds, which is a lot.
1: That is, when you think about it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's a lot of eating, but it's a fun tradition. I like it because growing up, we didn't have any like m- real traditions like that uh-huh. necessarily.
1: We had the make it gift. What's that? Which is, we called it make a gift and you had to make a gift for somebody. <laughs> for Christmas, we would do the make a gift and then also um, get our make a gift person for the next year. Oh, okay. So, well then
0: you had a whole year to make a gift.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I believe that's how it was. I th- I believe that's how it was, but uh we had a good amount of time to know who who was going to do. It. We or maybe we did it at a different like Easter or something. I'm not sure. But we had a good amount of time to know. But my dad was famous for cuz he worked a lot and he was famous for making his at the last minute. <laughs> so anybody who got my dad would always be ready for something that was they were always funny but they were never like really useful and i remember this one year my dad made he just took a piece of round leather and put a string on it and it was it was a uh seat marker so you could take it and you could put it on a seat That's creative. and that was your seat and everybody la- i mean it was like everybody just went nuts cuz it was so funny and he it he he sewed like one piece of string onto a piece of leather and that was it. But those were always the hits of the party because everybody else would make make a make you a sweater or yeah. like my grandfather would make people furniture. And then my Ooh. dad had a piece of leather with the string on it. But everybody was so excited to know what my dad was going to make for them because he always had like zero time know to do who it. Had you? Yeah, because I think people would know who they had who uh,
0: had them. Who had
1: them? Sometimes.
0: That's awesome. Yeah,
1: but it was it was it's it's been so long. We had I mean I haven't. We haven't done that in like 20 years probably. I mean, I haven't been around for yeah. it in, in that amount of time. So, But it was always fun.
0: That sounds awesome. Remember one year my brother got just like a ton of two-by-fours because my father was going to build him a Christmas tree uh, – not a Christmas tree, a – um, what's that? Treehouse. So we just – they just like threw blankets over all the materials. My brother ripped it off and he was like, yeah, it's two by fours. He got so excited. So
1: the present was the promise of a tree house that my father
0: would build, which he did. He did. It was like a sweet tree house. It's probably still there.
1: And I guess you couldn't use a tree house in the winter anyway, really? No. So it was
0: the promise of a treehouse. The promise
1: of a tree house. Yeah. That's nice. It was sweet. That sounds like a inspirational book.
0: <laughs> the promise of a trio
1: yeah when did you know that not to ruin this for anybody if you're playing this in the card for your card for your children you know you can turn it off now or skip past this but when did you know that santa did not exist
0: oh um
1: do you remember how old you were?
0: no and i think it was like a gradual thing of me being like this doesn't make a ton of sense and then i remember there was like a few years where like My mom really wanted us to still believe. And so we just kind of pretended we still believed to like, cause it would make her sad to think that we stopped. So, yeah.
1: I asked my parents when I was very young why they were allowing strangers in our house.
0: (laughs) That's, you have not changed one iota since you were a child.
1: (laughs) Why is Santa allowed in? Why is the Tooth Fairy allowed in? Why is uh, the Easter Bunny allowed in? What is this, Grand Central? I didn't understand. I didn't feel safe. Oh, no. So I, I asked him. I was like, why are, they, why are you letting these, these people in?
0: These magical creatures. Because if
1: they can get in, then people that we don't want can get in, too. What, what's the security situation in our house Was what I was asking. <laughs> and I remember my mom talked to my dad. She told me this later. And she said, he's so young. Should I tell him? he's like, yeah, if he doesn't feel safe, tell him he's not going to be mad. He'll feel better about it. So my mom told me that these things aren't real. It's mom and dad and don't tell anybody at school because they are, they still believe and you don't want to ruin it for anybody. So I did. I just never told anybody, but I was like so happy that nobody was breaking into our house. But there was a girl in our, in my middle school who genuinely believed in, santa until she was in seventh grade
0: oh so that's 11
1: no that's that is like 13 yeah so that is late yeah did you believe until you were thirteen?
0: i don't know how old i I don't think i believed till i was no i think i was probably like eight
1: because seventh grade is that's that's late
0: yeah i know yeah well it's nice that she had that level of like believing in magic yeah but also my family like we were like, my mother did believe in magic in general. So it seemed like, oh, this is all par for the course. Like we used to make fairy houses for the winter so that the fairies wouldn't be mad at us, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so then it was like, oh, yeah. And then there's there's also Santa Claus and a tooth fairy. This all tracks.
1: It all makes sense.
0: Yeah. This all it makes sense. Yeah.
1: I never I, I. Yeah. I I I barely believed it. And then I was happy when I figured out that it wasn't real. You
0: were just too practical.
1: Yeah. And I was very happy to
0: exist in a world of, like, magic. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm comfortable here. No, I mean, a magic is fine as long as you don't come into my house while I'm <laughs> asleep. Any other magic, I'm open to. <laughs> but I want to be awake and aware for it.
0: Yeah. Would you, if you ever had kids, would you do the elf on the shelf thing?
1: No, that's, that's mean. You think so? I don't want my kids to think that they're being watched all the time.
0: My mom would always... Pretend to call Santa.
1: Yeah, see, like... I mean, uh, my kids are... If I ever have kids, which I probably won't... Are going to be very knowledgeable about the surveillance state that we live in.
0: That's the thing, too. I'm like, I don't want my kids thinking snitching's okay.
1: Yeah, That. that... Yeah, that... And I don't want them to feel like they can't have their own time and space... And they can't explore what they want to explore... Without, like, an elf breathing down their neck.
0: Yeah, and also... Don't invite elves and fairies into your house because they're mischief makers. You don't want to open that door. True. Um. Anyway, what book did we read this week?
1: Well, as anybody who has been listening to us for the past year, thank you, number one. But you know that Wallflowers, we did the whole Wallflower series. We loved it. It's Lisa Cleopas, she's the queen. How could yeah. you not love it? But if I was very good this year... I would be able to read A Wallflower Christmas. And I was very good this year. <laughs> you were. So the book we are reading is A Wallflower Christmas. It's The Wallflowers 4.5, book 4.5. And it's by Lisa Claypass. Yeah. It's a novella, but it's a pretty substantial novella. It's over, it's about 200 pages. Yeah. Flew by.
0: Oh, I mean, just to dip your waters back into the toes back into the wallflower waters was a dream.
1: And I had the physical book because Aaron bought me the mm-hmm. physical book to complete my collection, which, thank you so much, that was awesome, and I read it on the subway, proudly.
0: Did anyone say anything?
1: Nobody said anything. I was hoping they'd ask <laughs> yeah. me about it.
0: Again, the PSA, if you ever see Clayton on the subway, do us a solid. Take a picture. Submit it to Hot Dudes Reading.
1: Yeah, you know, do whatever kind of... Uh, <laughs> airbrushing you need to do mm-hmm. whatever kind of uh dark you well, know a little
0: face tune anyway you need to so nobody said anything about a wallflower's christmas no and For though shame
1: i know and it's so let's talk about the cover real quick we're going to judge this cover because it is a very uh it's not provocative but it's three wallflowers their heads are cut off you can't see the top of their heads but you can see their ample bosoms
0: we got some bubbies and they are wearing green, white, and red dresses. Yes. I think it's lovely.
1: Yeah, I love it. I it, I love it. I love the the way Wallflower Christmas is written. It's a very classy cover.
0: I feel like there was a moment where it was this sort of like headless women was the covers.
1: Well, so this, I mean, the this was published in 2008? Yeah. Is that when, because there was, uh, when Sarah was on the show, Sarah McClain, uh, <laughs> great author great friend yeah Yeah. not to brag (laughs) but she was saying there was that time that there was the head cut off thing
0: it must have been this
1: and this must have been around that time yeah so i would say that i like this cover but i don't like the head cut off uh aesthetic as much Mm -hmm. i like to see the faces i like to see that but still i mean i like i like this cover
0: it's a great cover love it what was the book about
1: this book is about Rafe Bowman, who is Lillian and Daisy's brother. And he ha- has come to Stony Cross Park for Christmas.
0: His sister's house.
1: Yes. And he's maybe going to marry Natalie. Yeah. Who seems fine, but he really falls in love with Natalie's pretty much assistant
0: companion yeah who
1: is her cousin Mm -hmm. hannah and they fall for each other and it's merry christmas (laughs) because they consummate on christmas pretty much yeah yeah i mean it's a short book it's to the point but what i loved about it was like you said, pretty much all the wallflowers were here and their hubbies. Yeah. And they're reunited in different ways, which I loved because we didn't think uh, Sam was going to be able to get back, right? But he shows up. It's a surprise. St. Vincent shows up. And, of course... uh, um,
0: Marcus is there. Marcus is there because that's his
1: house. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... I I mean, there's... I wish... It's hard because I just liked it so much. I don't know if there's anything that I could say, like, other than it was great. And it was so great to see my friends again.
0: Yeah, because as you said famously, the Wallflowers are your Avengers. Yeah. So they reunited for this amazing house party. Yeah, this book is fantastic. And this book is, it's so good because I don't know if you could necessarily, you could read it as a standalone, but like you would lose so much and reading it after reading all of their books, it's. So fun because normally, you know, the books end. It's a happily ever after. And then you don't get to see just like how they're living. And it was so lovely to come back and see everybody. And the thing I love too is like you spent time with the couples. So like Lillian um, thinks that Marcus might start having interest in another woman. That
1: broke my heart. I was like, where is this going? (laughs) I don't like this.
0: No, but it's also like so Lillian to just Uh like jump to conclusions, get mad. So she confronts him and she's like, you've been talking to this chick. You've been writing her letters like it's fine. You can like somebody else. You can't fuck anyone else. And let's just make that good and clear. And Marcus gets pissed. And I loved that scene. He drags her to the barn and is like, Well, since you couldn't wait, you couldn't keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Here's this fucking horse. It's taken me a year. Somebody else wanted to buy it. I had to make sure I bought it. It's the perfect thing for you. You said you wanted to learn how to ride, and that's what I'm giving to you. You ruined it.
1: And then they fuck in front of the horse. And then they, he puts
0: a blanket down and he's like, And now I'm just going to fuck you real good in this hay. And he does. He yeah. delivers. And it's one of those things, too that i loved about that fight was like the second that marcus was like we sleep together every night like what what energy do you think i have left over to even start doing something like that's insane and the second that he says that she's like oh yeah that is ridiculous and like it completely evaporates and then she's sort of like well now i'm a little embarrassed and let's just move past it but he's like no that's messed up that you would like think that of me. And he just stayed mad. And she was like, let's not be, let's forget it. Even yeah. though she had been stewing for like two weeks.
1: Yeah, that was a. I I did like the different kind of things going on uh, with the other wallflowers while the main romance was going on. And that one was curious to me because I, I, I get, you know, I get, I get so caught up in these that I don't realize that there's no way that he would actually be, Having an affair—that's just not how this would go down. This right. isn't what the kind of book that this is. These characters are happily ever after; they are living their happily ever after. But I was still thinking, oh, there, this is—I don't like this. I don't want this to happen. And obviously, it didn't. But I—I like that it. it does show, like sometimes these things will happen, even if there is a happily ever after. You get uh, nervous about the person that you love maybe being interested in somebody else. And that, that, that was like a good thing to pique my interest because everything else was pretty love, love, love. Yeah. So.
0: um Yeah. And so we checked in with St. Vincent and Evie and it, they were sort of just like loving each other. Yeah. Same thing with Sam Hunt and Annabelle.
1: Yeah. They were banging it out.
0: <laughs> Sam just runs into a room, drags her out by her hair and then nobody sees her for three days.
1: And everybody knows what they're going to do. Everybody knows.
0: We all. Come on. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about the romance between Hannah and Rafe.
1: Well, he's the brother of of Lillian and Daisy. And his dad is a buffoon, uh, as we know from the other books. I mean, he's not like I put in my tropes bad dad, but he doesn't fall into the. He's not the worst of the bad dads.
0: No, he doesn't like physically abuse his children or anything, but like he's not a very good dad. Like he and his wife kind of despise each other, but they have this shared goal of like getting all of their kids to marry like blue bloods in England to help like their family line. And they're ashamed of sort of that they didn't come from that level of like aristocracy. And so they're trying to like buy their way in. So it worked great with, Lillian, because she married Marcus, and then Daisy married um, Matt, who, what, Matthew, who is her father's like protege, and so that worked out well, so he's basically like, let's go for broke and get Rafe to marry this woman, Natalie.
1: And Matthew was kind of his son that he never had, which mm-hmm. w- really chafed with Rafe, because Rafe seems like he's a guy who was always trying. He, his dad would say, you're so lazy. He's like, I, all I do is try. I don't understand why you would think yeah. otherwise.
0: When also he runs a successful business that has nothing to do with his father's business. And that's so strange too. And so he basically wants to create this alliance with his father's business. And so that's why he's planning on marrying Natalie because also he just sort of like has his figures like, oh, it's time to get married. He doesn't really think about it that much.
1: And he's a rake.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know he's a cad, he's a rogue, he's a scoundrel. So he 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 humps around. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he thought, yeah, I'll just do this. Another one of those heroes that, especially in historicals, is like it's not about love. It's 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 a business decision to marry somebody. Is this somebody that I could help and could help me?
0: Yeah, which I think a lot of them were, but so. Hannah is then sent to, like, check him out to see how he'd be for Natalie. And so they go to tea her, Lillian, Annabelle? Is I don't Annabelle remember there? if Evie's there. Um, and basically, he, like, immediately has the hots for her. And they do some great, like, enemy-to-lovers type sparring. Um, and then he walks her to the door and makes out with her the first time that they meet. Forcibly. A little bit. Didn't love it. Didn't love a lot of the vibes of it, for sure.
1: Especially that one.
0: Yeah, that was a rough one because uh, she did the whole like I she didn't want it until she wanted it, which mm-hmm. is not, you know, something we love to see in 2008.
1: But it I get it. I, you know, I give it I'm giving it a pass just because it's it, like I get why that character would do that. But it is kind of not the best foot to 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 be off of uh, for a romance.
0: Right. And I also think it's like her trying to say, like, you know, Americans are more like brash and bold and, you know, and that's surprising to her and everything. And I understand that. But I just don't. Yeah. I mean, it just, uh, it's just like a vestige. I don't think you'd see that. I don't think if she wrote that scene today, it mm-hmm. would be that way. Um, and then they all end up going to Stony Cross Park. It is like the relationship between Hannah and Natalie is hilarious because Hannah's like, yeah, he made out with me. And Natalie's like, that's hilarious. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> like I will also make out with him. Like, that's really fun. That is he a good kisser? Oh, he is. Okay, great. This is going to work out well for me. And Natalie, like as they spend time together, like starts really liking Rafe and Rafe just kind of tolerates her. Doesn't really like her that much. Um,
1: well, cause Hannah She has – one of the things she's supposed to do is make sure Natalie is uh, not getting up to any kind of mischief. But Natalie reveals to Hannah that Hannah is a very uh, horrible uh, chaperone chaperone because she just makes out with any guy (laughs) because Hannah will be – get really invested talking about whatever intellectual conversation she's having with somebody at the party and Natalie just slips – uh, away and makes out with dudes. So she's like, oh man, I can't believe that I'm this bad at what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> but she also has, Hannah works with a guy, a real nerd, a real Nedrick. Uh, what does he do? What's his thing? He's like
0: cranial that that weird like friend, uh, yeah
1: phrenology
0: phrenologist.
1: He's a limp noodle, but she thinks this is who I, I want to end up with because he's smart. He he'll take care of me. He's safe. All those things. And said. she's
0: interested in like the scientific thing. So she's like, it would be kind of cool. Like we would help each other.
1: And uh, Rafe makes fun of her for the guy feeling her head and then stopping at that.
0: Yeah, he's like definitely not sexually attracted to her at all.
1: Yeah. Uh, and Rafe, I love this scene when they are first, Rafe wants her to go on a walk with him and clear the tea and he just takes the teacup and just drops it and breaks it and he thinks that's the ball or move and she gets really upset. Like, how dare you treat that stuff like that? Some people don't even have a nice china, things like that. And I liked that dynamic yeah. because he thought that was such a cool move to say, I don't have to worry about any of that. Let's just go. And she's like, no, you should worry about all of that. Someone has to clean that up because she's not a wet blanket. She just has to be practical. Yeah. Because he's able to do that kind of stuff.
0: There are so many complications to them being together because basically Rafe's father has said if he doesn't marry Natalie, then Rafe is basically going to get cut off. So she's like, yeah, even if it could happen, it won't happen because I don't want him to get cut off from his family. Like, they're from different classes. And so she doesn't really feel like she can let herself go there with him because uh, the consequences would be so great. But then, of course, she does. Mm -hmm. Um, The scene where she has to um, chaperone Natalie when she and Rafe try to go in the thing, and I'm like, oh, this sucks. This is so uncomfortable for everybody. Yeah, it's so awkward. Um, and then also, so Natalie becomes like, all of the kids are obsessed with her because she reads them like a Christmas carol. Or Hannah. Hannah, sorry. Yeah. And then, um, she finds one of the little boys in the parlor and he's like crying and she's like, what's going on? And he had like taken...
1: Mr. Bowman's taken
0: Mr. Bowman's toupee and threw it up in the tree because there's all this stuff with this tree being massive and nobody can decorate the tree. And Lillian's like obsessed with getting it decorated.
1: And they had to cut their sleeves because their the the new style of dress would allow them to reach. Uh-huh. So they had to cut all their sleeves down the side so that they could reach and try mm-hmm. to put stuff on this this tree.
0: Yeah. So then Hannah climbs up to try to get it, and she can't quite get it, so she goes on a shelf to try to get it, and then the ladder falls.
1: Well, the kid left because he had to go somewhere, and he would have been in trouble if he was late. Yeah. She's like, are you sure that you're
0: going to be okay? She's like, I'm fine. I've got the ladder.
1: Then the ladder goes, (laughs) and and she's hung on this shelf.
0: And who walks in? The
1: Rafe. So uh, this is another one. And this is a trope that I see a lot in romance, but I like a lot, which is appearing at the right time I love the idea of somebody being there when you need them the most but also in embarrassing situations but that makes you more comfortable with that person because they can be cool about you being embarrassed yeah you never want to be with somebody who will you do something embarrassing and they just step away from you it's the (laughs) worst thing
0: yeah that's not a great partner you got to
1: go down with the ship
0: oh totally um, and then the other scene that I love is when like Lillian is just the best, mm-hmm. and I think we said that she was our favorite wallflower, and I think I'm sticking to it. like she's fantastic, yeah, and so she finds Hannah and she's up Hannah's upset so she realizes she loves Rafe and it's never gonna happen. And Lillian takes her into like the family parlor. So Hannah says, like, I'm in love with your brother, and then Daisy walks in, and Lillian's like... Uh, Hannah's in love with Rafe, but you can't tell anybody. And Daisy's like, Oh, yeah, I'm really good at secret keeping. Like, I'm better than my sister. And then the door opens and it's Evie, and they're like, Hannah loves Rafe. You can't tell anyone. <laughs> and Evie's like, Oh, I'm the best of the secret keepers. Don't worry, I won't tell anybody. And then the door opens and it's Annabelle. And they're like, She's not a very good secret keeper. <laughs> it was just like such a perfect scene and so funny and so like encapsulates everything you love about the wallflowers. Um And so then the wallflowers set up a plan to like they each give her something special for her to wear because she doesn't there's sort of a runner in the book about her never being able to get ready because she gets Natalie ready and then it's time and she has to like leave and she always feels disheveled. So Lillian like gives gives her her serve or her um, maid to help her dress and gives her like jewels and gloves and every wallflower gives her something special. So then she can go to like the Christmas Eve ball and like profess her love for Rafe. And I just loved all of that together, just that they're sort of passing it on and that they all also are like, we've decided that we want you to be an honorary wallflower, not Natalie. So we're going to go ahead and try to make this happen. And she's like, okay, Well,
1: because Natalie's not really a wallflower.
0: Natalie is not a wallflower. She could never. And she, she could
1: have, have, she could have the choice of a lot of men. She did. She ended up getting engaged to somebody else,
0: who like seemed to really love her, and like that was also happy. She got her happily ever after too, which was like, and like Natalie's a sweet girl, so I'm like, I'm happy that she's happy.
1: Yeah, she was not the villain in any way, shape, or form.
0: No, she was never a villain.
1: But again, we have since we know Lisa Claypass loves items. She loves. Objects that mean something to people, I guess. And yeah, there's definitely a word for it. Yeah. There's the toy soldier Yeah, that Rafe has.
0: <gasps> oh, yeah. Tell that. That's so good.
1: Well, so Rafe loses a bet with Hannah. And Hannah says – the the bet is that if you – because like, what is the – I can't remember what it is. Do you remember what it is?
0: Like they're all in the parlor together. yeah. And like Lillian is there because she witnesses this and she's like, Oh, this is something big. Well, because
1: he gives her this toy soldier because he loses his bet. Because she yeah. said, You gotta give me something if 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 I win. And so he hands her this beat up little toy soldier, and she looks at it and she says, Well, this must mean something because it's so beat up and it's such a random object to be given. And she holds on to it, and then as soon as Rafe's gone, Lillian says, that soldier he's had that since he was a little kid and when his dad took away his toy soldiers because they were they were taking away his attention from his studies
0: well yeah because Daisy was sick and had to couldn't stay with Lillian so Lillian was scared so Rafe gave her one of his toy soldiers and said like this is my best soldier he'll watch over you over the night and he does, and Lillian's able to sleep, and it's, like, a really sweet thing between brother and sister. And the next morning, Mr. Bowman has decided that Rafe spends too much time playing, so he, like, takes away all of his toy soldiers. So only the little one that he left with, Lillian, survived. And so he held on to that as sort of, like, a symbol of um, his childhood and, like, a little bit of whimsy. Because he's, like, a pretty whimsical guy, you know, and sort of exists in that realm of, like, a, he's not so like, earthbound, necessarily. And, yeah, so when he gives it to Hannah, Lillian is like, "You, this is a really big fucking deal that you got this little toy soldier.
1: Because he wanted her to be protected.
0: Yeah. Um, and then Hannah keeps trying to give it back, and he won't accept it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then at the end of the book, they go to the Christmas ball, and Hannah... And uh, Natalie's father starts talking and saying that, you know, announcing a betrothal and Hannah assumes that it's him to Natalie. So she just bounces before she can hear the names and runs to a little fountain and is crying. And then all of a sudden a voice says, like, don't cry. It's okay." And it's Rafe. Of course it is. (laughs) And Natalie's marrying some other guy and they consummate it on Christmas Eve and then wake up Christmas morning together. It's perfect.
1: It's a great, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, yeah, it's such a fast read. It's such a fun read. I, the relationship between the Wallflowers, the fact that they've created this little family for themselves and they get to be with each other during Christmas Mm -hmm. is just so, so fun. And so this is the last legitimate Wallflowers book, correct? Yeah,
0: this is the last one. They
1: do show up in other books. Uh Uh-huh. But this is the last time they're kind of the main group.
0: Yeah, this is saying goodbye to the Wallflowers.
1: At least me said. But Hannah was a good addition.
0: Hannah was a great addition. Yeah. It was, it was just a great book. Like, I don't really have any. I mean, just the first kiss was not great. Mm-hmm. But after that, I don't have any negatives.
1: Yeah, because they were, they were into each other after that Yeah, full uh, 100%.
0: Right. Um, And they had great chemistry. The sex was great. They had sex in his little like bachelor cottage. Mm -hmm. Love it. And then who knocks on the door the next day? Was it like Marcus? And he's like, am I going to have to like call you out? (laughs) He's like, no, I'm going to marry her. And he's like, all right, great. I just come back to the house. Everyone's talking about you.
1: (laughs) So Marcus was not my favorite. When we read the books, the wallfire books originally. Yeah. I've come to really like Marcus. Yeah. And he just seems so much cooler than I thought he was because he's way less starched now. But he's still in command, but also very understanding of all of the craziness that happens at his house. <laughs> He's always got people over doing crazy stuff and he's rarely super judgmental about it.
0: Yeah. And he's very capable and that's what everyone says whenever they meet him for the first time. Is just, he has like such a presence, but I love too that Lillian talks about when Marcus walks in the room and it's just the two of them, like it all falls away and he acts like a very different person. Um, which I love too, because I think it's also at that time, like him being a peer and him running this really massive estate and also, you know, other businesses to make sure he stays afloat, like in running a household. I mean, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the Earl Takes All with Sarah McLean, not to brag again, but
1: we'll never stop bragging. About no.
0: That. Uh, you know, the role of servants too, like you are still like their boss always. So you do have to sort of like have a, a a level of command. Um, and also we will read again, the magic, which is the first wallflower book where that's he's in. Um, And you sort of see where he came from too. And you learn a little bit more about his family, but you know, that's what I just, yeah, I love about Marcus. You just would feel safe with him. Like yes. everything's always going to be okay. If Marcus is around.
1: And they say, he's not the most handsome guy, mm-hmm. but he's got, like you said, a presence. He's got a masculinity. He's got an energy that makes him appealing. And I like that because he's not like St. Vincent, a pretty boy. Although St. Vincent also has grown on me a lot. Yeah. Because well,
0: you, you see how much he loves Evie and mm-hmm. like you can't help but then love him.
1: He is a guy that I think I was against because of. You, you know, him kind of saying that he was maybe going to assault somebody this is not, <laughs> not a good first introduction to right. a guy. But after reading his book and after reading this book, I get it now. I get why people like St. Vincent so much. Yeah. And I, thinking back on The Devil in Winter, that is such a great book. And he's such a great character in it that I realize how much I like him. No, I mean, he's no Derek Craven. Like, we're not even talking about anybody usurping that place in my heart, obviously. Couldn't. But to have, I understand why St. Vincent would be somebody that could be at that level for other people.
0: Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't fault, if somebody says St. Vincent is their favorite, I'm never going to fault them for that. No. Like, I get it. It's not me, but, you know, you do you. Yes. I do like him a lot. Yeah.
1: He's so, he's got such a wit.
0: Oh, he's, yeah, he's so, like, enigmatic. Like, you just know if you were in the room with him, like, you would be watching him the whole time. Like, he just has that vibe.
1: You'd want to, someone would say something, and you'd look at St. Vincent to see what his reaction is. Mm -hmm. To gauge what your reaction should be. (laughs) But, yeah, and and you get a taste of all of them. And they're not the main part of the book, but they are uh, a huge part of it because it's letting Hannah in on this fun kind of family that's been created. And I liked Hannah a lot. I thought she was sweet, you know, reading the Christmas Carol to the kids, and they were all enraptured by her reading style. But it was funny in that book that Christmas Carol – Had just come out out like two or three years before this. Yeah. And that's so insane to me because that's such an old book, obviously. And to think of it ever as something that is sort of new seems nuts.
0: Oh, that's something we used to do for Christmas because we always decorated our tree on Christmas Eve. And um, John Barrymore did a reading of A Christmas Carol so we would play that. And then like our, our public radio station would always play that on Christmas Eve. So we'd always listen to John Barrymore.
1: Big question. hmm Would you fuck them?
0: Yes and yes, obviously. Yes. Yeah.
1: I, there's no doubt.
0: Yeah, come on. You had a chance to fuck a Bowman, you fuck a Bowman. You gotta fuck a Bowman. Always. Should I we...
1: would fuck everybody in this book, I think, except I mean, for the dad. the parents, yeah. Except for the dad.
0: Yeah. 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 There's nobody that's not fuckable. Natalie? Sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah, she seemed great. She seems like really fun. Like she would be a fun friend. Um, but
1: Rafe doesn't need fun. No. He needs grounding. Grounding.
0: Yeah. Aw. I wish we could go to Sony Cross Park.
1: I know. They should make, they should make a
0: an interactive, ca- play an interactive experience. Yeah. Listen, your lips to God's ears. I would love this. I would work on it. I would go every year. Yeah, they do like all these Jane Austen house parties. Listen, we love Jane. She's great, but like, let's let someone else have a moment. Yeah, move
1: over. You've had this spotlight for a long time.
0: Oh, my, how much fun would it be if you if we like cast people to like act as each of the Wallflowers? Anyone with the power to do that wants to give us like just a ton of money. <laughs> we'll make
1: it happen. We only need maybe a hundred million dollars in seed money. Yeah. So, if there's any angels out there, any angel investors. We have to buy
0: a Stony Cross Park. We have to build up the grounds. We have to hire all the actors. We have to hire all the people to work in the house. We'll still charge money for people to come. Of
1: course. We need, we need, I mean, we need we'll to take give a salary. You a code.
0: Like, if you are listing this, like, tropes will be the code and you'll get, like, you know, a percentage off. 50% off. Yeah. 15.
1: No more. Just 15, 15.
0: I mean, yeah, we're trying to. Yeah. Know. And then. Yeah, and then it'll be the Christmas of your dreams.
1: Uh-huh. I mean, I think that's an aim for the new year.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Stony, the Stony Cross Park experience. Uh-huh. We have Harry Potter.
1: Yeah, come on. We have Harry Potter. We have
0: Harry Potter World. Like, why not? Clay Past Town. Yeah. Claytown.
1: Oh, so Clay Past Town is not just... That, it, it would have to have other stuff, Park. too. Yeah, but
0: we would sort of expand. expand yeah. yeah, obviously. Like, you would, ha- you would be able to go to Jenner's. You'd be able to go to...
1: Oh, yeah. Like, go to the gambling hell. Yeah. Man. Yeah, th- so we would start with just Stony Cross and then have a very... Like, that would
0: be just a wild success. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then using that money, we would build Jenner's.
1: We would need more m- seed money, of course. Yeah. Uh, we'd have a very aggressive uh expansion plan. Yeah. So A
0: very B round, it would be pretty big.
1: Yeah. It would have to be. Yeah. We should go on Shark Tank for this.
0: Oh, yeah. We could just leave this to <laughs> Shark Tank. Sharks. No, we we
1: don't we don't own the properties. No. no that's she, where you come in.
0: Yeah. Lisa doesn't know we exist, <laughs> and we have not got her permission to do this.
1: That's where you guys come in. Yeah. I love those. I love when people are on Star- <laughs> Shark Tank and they do that, and it's like, yeah, no, but that's what you guys are for. <laughs>
0: Or when they're like, I've given away ninety five percent of the company to other people, and they're like, you don't, you can't give me anything.
1: Yeah, my dad owns ninety percent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Does he know you're here? Well, yeah, sure. Oh,
1: he'll be cool with it. <laughs> they always say that too. They said whatever we want to do, we can do. Yeah. No, they didn't.
0: <laughs> so it'll be like us and Scrub Daddy as like the big things to come out of Oh the Yeah Tank. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm really excited for this. And
1: those lobster brothers are over there. Make those lobster sandwiches.
0: I don't know what that is.
1: I guess they're not as popular as Scrub Daddy. <laughs>
0: nope.
1: Because you know about Scrub Daddy. I do. Scrub Daddy is the Kelly Clarkson of Shark Tank.
0: Yeah. And then I guess the lobster guys are the Carrie Underwood? Yeah. All right. Um, Should we do a Goodreads list or keep talking Shark Tank? Keep sharking. Keep sharking.
1: <laughs> and till next week, keep sharking. <laughs>
0: All right. Goodreads list. Best seasonal romance, Christmas, winter. Yes. Best romances with spinsters, wallflowers, or old maids. Yes. Yes.
1: Because they're wallflowers. There's
0: no better wallflowers. Uh, dresses to die for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they have beautiful dresses.
0: Those dresses look great. They're they're slicing up their dresses, slicing and dicing. A uh, hundred historical romances to read before you die.
1: I would say I put this in there.
0: Sure. Uh, Plain Jane and hot stud romance novels.
1: She's not necessarily a plain Jane, but I, I, you know, I I wouldn't. Is Hannah a plain Jane? She's not glamorous, but that doesn't make her a plain Jane.
0: Right. And it's also not like she's ever had a season or something and like people have rejected her. Like she's just never really been in that place. I mean, her uncle does like call her ugly. In the beginning. I I guess you never get a – like, because nobody else is reacting to her physicality other than Rafe. But Rafe is, like, in love with her, so he's going to think she's, like, the most beautiful thing ever. But I bet she's cute.
1: Yeah. And we don't see her with anybody else really eligible, right?
0: No. Yeah.
1: So I'm not going to say she's a plain Jane. So I would say take it off the list.
0: Best of Lisa Claypass number two. So – I think that's the second list.
1: Second list, of course, because yeah. they there's too many entrances on the first list. They had to go into a second list.
0: It's just all of her books. It's a list of uh, books. Yeah,
1: it's a list of her books. So <laughs> I would say, of course, it's on that list.
0: Humorous romance books. Yes. This was very funny. Uh-huh. Without, like, a forcing of the funny, but just, like, like situation com- if comedy is really hard to do in books, and it gets pulled off here in, like, really
1: great ways. See, that's what Lisa does, and that's what it's, like you said, situational comedy the comedy comes from the characters. You don't have everybody trying to be like St. Vincent with with uh, his wit. Not everybody's like that. Lillian is funny because of her the way she acts and just her personality. And when the humor comes from that, that's when I think something's really funny.
0: Right. And it's just something she says and she doesn't necessarily think it's funny.
1: That's what's the funniest thing. Yeah. Yes.
0: Because, I mean, like that scene is so wonderful when all the wallflowers are finding out about Hannah and Rafe, and Uh they're not trying to be funny. They're being very serious, and it is truly hilarious.
1: And it's how they would react. It's not uh, done for comic effect. It doesn't sell out any of the characters. That is how they are.
0: Yeah. Um, Romance with house parties. Oh, yeah. Yep, and coming 2021, you can attend. Mm-hmm. Tear jerker romance novels that jerk the tears right out of you.
1: Did you jerk any tears
0: i think it was really sad thinking about Rafe and sort of like how lonely he grew up because he was the oldest and they sent him away um and he could not really ever be a child and he definitely loved daisy and lily lillian so much and was never really able to spend time with them and that's sad so yeah i could see that yeah it was a i mean if there were parts that were sad but nothing i don't think i actually cried uh, virgin heroines, alpha males.
1: Is Raven alpha?
0: I don't think so. No. Um, ugly duckling to swan, Pygmalion romance. I mean,
1: she's not ugly, I don't think. When I pictured her, I did not picture her as a plain Jane. I did not picture her as ugly duckling.
0: No. Uh, virgins and the men who possess them.
1: He didn't really possess her. I mean, the only time he. Possessed her was yeah he didn't really possess her all that much other than a normal I love you and I want you to be mine I don't want you to marry this 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 dork who's oh he gets
0: t- so mad who's like
1: rubbing people's heads
0: yeah who just also writes her a letter and like three quarters of the way through is like oh yeah do you want to marry me and then he goes on to the next subject and Rafe is like this is bullshit yeah like you don't need to marry me but you cannot marry exactly. this guy like fuck this guy you deserve a little bit of passion mm-hmm. yeah. A uh, character you most want to sleep with?
1: Most want to sleep with. Uh, who who do you think that person most want to sleep with? Rafe? Rafe. Is where's Rafe on your? If you're thinking of Clay Pass men. For me, it's where I mean I'm fucking Lillian's brother. That seems weird.
0: <laughs> um. That that
1: might get in the way of me and her. He
0: might be. In, yeah. You that know? would be tough to then overcome. So yeah, for you, you would not. I couldn't. No. I think he's. I mean, I said I would fuck him, me.
1: so I I would.
0: But most, but I if would it's fuck like, him if it's like everybody in the books. Then you're running to Lillian.
1: It's so funny because I I'm able to think in different ways. Because like when I said would I fuck him, that that means like, do I find him attractive? Yes, yes. I would fuck him. But now I'm thinking more practically, and practically, I got to think more about Lillian than I would about Rafe. So like, Rafe fucking Rafe is not really worth ruining my chance with lillian even though i don't have any chance because she's with marcus and they deserve to be together
0: yeah and they're never going to be apart books you want made as a movie
1: yeah i mean well i think we've agreed that the wallflowers would be better as a A series -series.
0: and this would be a great christmas special two hours christmas time we would do a screening at stony cross park yeah great be huge listen we'll roll that into the seed money um Male characters we desperately wish were real. I don't
1: desperately wish that Rafe was real.
0: Of the male, of the heroes that we've read, there are others I would want to be real first. But sure, if Rafe knocked on this door, I'd answer it. Oh, uh,
1: yeah, that's the thing. I'm not going to say take it off the list because it belongs on the list. But for us personally, he's not, I'm not desperate for him to be alive.
0: Five star historicals. Yes. Sexual tension that leaves you breathless. Excellent sexual attention. Very good sexual mm-hmm.
1: attention.
0: Historical romance, stealing my sibling betrothed. So they're not siblings, but cousins.
1: Oh, okay, yes. Relations. I mean, so I got to say, I'm going to take it off the list. Because you, if you said relation or family member, then it could be on the list. But it can't be on that list. All right. Because if you say, I want to read a book about... Uh, Two sisters and one takes the guy. Th- then they read this. I mean, it's any way that they can. You know what? Here's what I'm gonna say. I'm actually gonna go back on that. Keep this on the list because even though it's misleading, they will still enjoy this book and be happy that they read it. Yeah. So it can be on that list. I've never done that before.
0: Yeah. Bad boys meet the virgins. Yeah, he's bad. He's a kind of a bad boy. The virgin heroine. Uh-huh, of course. Best lighthearted romance novels. It's lighthearted. A thin line between love and hate. I think on her side, I think he was like was really into her from he the second he never saw her. had
1: a reason to hate her.
0: No, but I think she didn't love him. Or was just like annoyed by him. Best ever historical romance novels. It's up th- I mean it's, it's good. It's, it's really well done. Yeah. Um Most brilliant historical novels in the past 30 years.
1: Most brilliant? Yeah.
0: Sure. Yeah. All right. Clayton, what are your tropes?
1: Christmas romance. Class difference because Rafe had money and Hannah did not have money. (laughs) He's a rake. He's a rogue. He's a scoundrel. That's Rafe. Although he was a mild rake rogue scoundrel kind Mm -hmm. of. Uh, close friendships, of course. The Wallflowers. It doesn't get closer than that. I have bad dad because he is a bad dad. Rafe's dad, Lillian, Daisy's dad. He's, he's
0: not, not great dad. Not
1: great. I guess it's not great dad. Yeah, that would be the the new trope for him. Um, those are my tropes.
0: <gasps> oh, short and sweet.
1: Yeah, I didn't have a lot of tropes. No. What, uh, uh, Aaron? What were your tropes?
0: Well, one of your tropes was showing up at right the the right exact moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, meddling siblings uh, in love with the wrong person, mishearing a betrothal because I've heard that a few times. Uh, story time, so when like she's reading to the kids, um, kissing when they first meet, early morning walks, uh, American historical American hero in a historical, poor heroine, working less heroine, bad dads, bad toupees, Christmas novels, heroine is great with kids. Stuck on a shelf, literally. Yes. Um, yeah, those are mine.
1: Those are good tropes.
0: Clayton, what has you swooning this week?
1: Well, it's Christmas. Yeah. As we have talked about extensively <laughs> throughout this episode. And I was trying to think of something that was Christmassy that I really love. And there was uh, a special called john denver and the muppets do you remember this yeah and i used to have the cd and we would listen to it on the way to uh grandma's house grandma's house and i haven't listened to it in years and i i I found that i had a, a copy of it ripped onto my like a hard drive so i have a bunch of music on my hard drive and i was listening to it the other night and it Made me cry
0: <laughs>
1: for several reasons, just because some of the songs are very sad. I mean, there's fun songs. They do the uh, 12 Days of Christmas, which is really funny. This album just means a lot to me because it reminds me also of like being a kid, and, and, and those were great times for me when it came to Christmas. And it's something that if you haven't heard this, I'm sure you can find it on somewhere, either on YouTube, streaming sites, things like that. But I would say check it out. John Denver and the Muppets. I think that's what it's called. It's like John Denver meets the Muppets or something. If you put in John Denver and Muppets, it'll You're come up. It. You're yeah. getting it. It'll be out there. But yeah. that's my swoon for Christmas. Aw. Erin, what are you swooning about? For Christmas. Christmas swoon.
0: This is a great Christmas swoon. Um, and it is Virgin River on Netflix. So we all want romance on the TV. So you got to watch romance on the TV. I hadn't read these books um, and I watched this whole series in like two days. I really loved it. Pat got really into it.
1: Producer the, Patty.
0: Producer Patty. When the characters finally kiss, we both started cheering. We loved it. Um, it's just well done and well acted. And I loved it because the hero and the heroine are like in their 30s and 40s. And a lot of the characters are in their like 60s and 70s. And it's just nice. You don't see a lot of shows that just have that. Um, so many complex stories for like, you know, older people or not the people in their thirties or forties are old because <laughs> we are that age. But
1: they're just not young and un, you know, like they, they're not young and don't know what the fuck's going on.
0: Right. And it's just, it, they like, live lives. Yeah. And that there's so many like cross generational friendships and stuff, which you really love to see. And it's also like kind of the way that the world is as well. Um, and I just really loved it. I thought it was really well written. It's great to watch over Christmas. It's great to watch with your family. Um, sadly, no gratuitous sex. And that would be the thing I said that it was maybe a, a negative.
1: <laughs> well, no no sex at all or no gratuitous sex?
0: No, no sex. They, okay. they just kiss a few times. But, you know, eh, it's fine. So you can watch it with your family if and not feel weird about it. But um, we might end up doing something with it in the next few days. So definitely watch it. Um, but, yeah, I really loved it. I thought it was well done. It's already been greenlit for season two. So happy to hear it. Great. Yeah. Aaron. where can they find us? Um, so always rate, review, subscribe. You guys are really fantastic about that. Um, we love it. It's how people find us. Also, it's Christmas time. Maybe tell people about us. You're with your family. What are you listening to? Maybe say yes. You don't have to. It would be nice if you did. Um, if you want to email us any you know advanced if you want to email us some seed money for Sony Park. how could they email us money like a venmo request <laughs> no don't give us any money that's that's insane <laughs> um but if you want... If you could figure out a way to email
1: us money <laughs> j- just even if it's like 5 cents i'd love to see that <laughs> no,
0: no um but if you want to send us recommendations, um, any notes, what you think, who you'd most want to fuck in the Wallflower Universe, uh, you can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and then we're on Twitter at Learning Tropes and on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. As always, we have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop. They already know what we're reading in January. And guys, it's a big one. It's real big. Um, so feel free to join us over there. Um, our next episode is our January preview, so you're going to find out what we're reading in January. You guys, I'm excited. I'm just going to say it. I think it's going to be, I think you're going to like it. Um, and as always, Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at Backslash Alright, bye guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy
1: Holidays.
0: Happy Holidays and a Happy New Year.
1: Bye. Bye.